0: it's your friday daily delivery i am michael rand a little bit of a different show today usually you get to or have to listen to me um yammer grandstand for several minutes at the start of the show before we get to a guest uh today we've got uh two guests and so much so much show that i don't really have time to uh, to yammer myself and frankly i'm a little out of uh out of steam after everything through the week. So I got Ben Gessling joining me here in just a minute to talk Vikings, setting up everything big about that game Sunday against Dallas. Really good stuff from Ben, as always. And then after that, John Marthaler, soccer guru, friend of mine, will help me set up the World Cup world cup starts this weekend first u.s match monday against wales so looking forward to that john does a great job writing about soccer in various places talking about soccer so i was excited to have him on to talk about that as well so like i said we're gonna get right to it right now um not none of me just talking and talking we're just gonna get right to the guests today vikings beat writer ben Gessling joins me now as he often does on fridays here on daily delivery um Ben, I got to imagine some of what's been going on this week is trying to appreciate, if you're the Vikings, appreciate what happened in Buffalo, but not kind of get caught up in the hangover of it because they got another game Sunday and coming after that, it's going to be coming quick Thursday against the Patriots. Two important games, um, Dallas in particular, another conference game, a team that is good, even though um, they stubbed their toe a little bit in Green Bay Last week, couldn't hold on to that lead. Um, has, has there been talk out out at uh, the, the headquarters in Egan this week about kind of trying to refocus uh, after everything that happened and just kind of the craziness and some of the celebrity that comes with a, a, a game like that?
1: Yeah, there has. I mean, they, they changed their routine up a little bit, I think, as much for physical reasons as mental or emotional ones. They did not do their normal practice on Wednesday. First padded practice of the week was Thursday. Uh, Kevin O'Connell said they still got a fairly extensive session in, but a lot of that was just to give them a little bit more time to rest. I I think there's also an element to it of, hey, this was an emotionally taxing game. I mean, you had players talk about this was one of the hardest games they've ever played to make that kind of comeback. It goes to overtime, cold, windy day, physical game against that team. There was a lot that had to be spent to win that game. So trying to get it back to – normal is a little bit more of a process the NFL you know players talk all the time about a 24-hour rule that does not create a statute of limitations on people texting you or tweeting at you about the Justin Jefferson catch or interview requests I mean there was there were plenty of questions to Justin Jefferson about that catch on Thursday and you know so kind of trying to live in the moment while still getting a lot of credit and a lot of celebrity status as you mentioned, for that is the challenge right now. I mean, this is, I, I'd said it a little bit yesterday on access Vikings too, but um, the stakes are not the same, but the emotional peak and then trying to come back down to the point where you can move on to the next thing reminded me a little bit of the Minneapolis miracle, just in the sense of it was such an improbable way to win yeah. or at least an improbable way to take the lead and then get it to overtime to eventually win with the, The uh, fumble recovery in the end zone like they had it and trying to just get back to, hey, we're kind of at a normal focus level for the next thing and we're not continuing to live in the past is a difficult thing to do sometimes. I think that that's the example I've seen the most in my time covering this team. And it's not the same stakes here, obviously, but there's a little bit of that kind of emotional crescendo that you have to kind of um, ride out afterwards.
0: Like you said, not the same stakes. Of course, if they lose this game Sunday, they're not done for the season. But that said, I mean, they they are in a position now where even at eight and one, they want to keep the train moving. And, you know, as they think about the big picture stuff, the Eagles lost a few days ago, kind of opened the door a little bit more on, you know, the idea of, you know, playing out this, you know, last eight games of the season with the number one seed more more plausible than it than it felt even a few days ago. And how important that is now when only one team gets gets a buy. So cert- certainly some importance in this game. And, you know, strange, <laughs> it was a little strange to me that they opened as underdogs in this game. And, you know, betting lines are what they are. They don't always reflect the true kind of, you know, how good teams are. Sometimes they reflect what people are going to bet on. Um, but yes. but at the, at the same time, Dallas is a very good team. And this is not a, you know, that is a reflection of, of the task at hand.
1: Yeah, and I think ESPN Stats and Information said this. Kevin Seifer put this out there on Thursday that this is the first time since 1976 that a team that's eight and one or better is an underdog at home in a game where its starting quarterback, its normal quarterback, is expected to play. Wow! So this is not common for a team of the Viking stature to be an underdog at home. I think it tells you probably a little bit about the Cowboys. Um, and maybe a little bit of still remaining skepticism about the Vikings in terms of winning all the close games, maybe skepticism about Kirk Cousins probably baked into that a little bit. You know, like you say, it could be trying to tease out money one way or the other, people saying, uh, I'm going to bet the Vikings to cover that as as home underdogs or you know, trying to get the line to shift right. a little bit. I think there's a little bit of that in those opening lines that gets baked into it too, but Vegas is generally – pretty good at what it does. And I I think the number you would also look at is point margin for the year. Dallas has outscored opponents by more than the Vikings have. So um, if you are looking for quantifiable reasons for that spread uh, or for that line, I should say that may be part of it. Uh, And I say this with no great level of insight on gambling. It's not really an area that I've uh, spent a ton of time acquiring expertise about, but I, I would, Think that may be part of what we're seeing there.
0: Not legal in Minnesota, at least not yet. So that's, you know, just it's an interesting piece of it, though. Um, as you think about it, and I did not see that uh, that bit about 1976 being the last time this happened. That's definitely a long time ago. Um, you talked about Justin Jefferson a little bit ago, too. A couple interesting things there. I mean, one uh, people starting to mention him in the MVP discussion. MVP, that's not usually a wide receiver's domain, but you can make the argument that he should be in the conversation at this point based on the impact he's having. Yeah,
1: it's funny because he got asked today about the 2,000-yard possibility, which would be an NFL record for a receiver, and the MVP chatter has come up a little bit this week. It's And I I nudged uh, Dave Campbell from the Associated Press. and said, are we living back in 2012? I mean, that... Those conversations were happening in the locker room with a running back that year in Adrian Peterson where he was trying to break Eric Dickerson's record, obviously, and ended up running for 2097 yards and won the NFL MVP. He is still the last non-quarterback to win it. That was 10 years ago. A wide receiver has never won it. Mark Craig wrote earlier this week about there have only been five ballots cast for a wide receiver to even have a vote for the thing in the last, I think 24 years, Randy Moss had four of them. And I think Cooper cup had one probably last year. So will he get a vote? He could, um, will he win it? I doubt it. Um, you know, it's probably a little more of an open race among the quarterbacks than it typically has been. I don't think he'll win it, but the fact that you can have that conversation, I think reflects how good he's been. And it is, I I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because I think if you were going to make a a case right now based on the fact they're eight and one, they would not be eight and one without him doing what he's done. And you look at they're they're tied for the best record in the league. Uh, You'd certainly have to at least consider the possibility. I don't know the voters will go that way, Um, but I I think there's at least an, an argument to be made to stop and think about it and. Consider him as a serious candidate, at least where we sit right now.
0: Well, and usually when it happens that a wish receiver has a probably an MVP worthy year, it's because his quarterback has also had an MVP worthy year. And I don't think we would say that about Kirk Cousins at this point. As good as he's been in key situations, as many big time throws as he's made, including at Buffalo. I mean, he's thrown eight interceptions this season. Um, You can find a lot of guys who were better than him in passer rating, passing yards, touchdowns, total QBR, whatever you want to do. He's probably not in that discussion. So it's an interesting dynamic maybe between, you know, usually a wide receiver, you know, probably isn't in that discussion anyway because there's other quarterbacks out there, but usually one of those quarterbacks is on his team. I mean, that might not be the case with Jefferson.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I I think you would not look at Cousins. And I, I think Cousins has played awfully well. The eye test of what he has done has I think been some of the best he's ever played the position. Um, the numbers are not that. The numbers are statistically worse than anything he's done in Minnesota. He also has not played as much garbage time as he yes. has in the past. That's always been, <laughs> been like
0: there's been like no garbage time this no, year. Maybe no. the second half of the Eagles game.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's about it. And he was trying to get him back in it at that point. That's when he threw a couple of interceptions. That's right, but he did. Yeah, it's there has not been a lot of that and. That's always the thing he's been knocked for is, oh, his numbers are pretty, but a lot of it's in garbage time when they're trying to catch up. Defenses are playing him softer. There's not been that this year. No. So, um, but completion percentage, interceptions, all that stuff is not good enough to probably put him in a conversation among voters that maybe don't watch him every day and are looking at raw numbers. I, I don't think he would be among the serious contenders. So, yeah, it does change that thing a little bit where if it's been Jerry Rice getting the votes in, I think, in 1987, Joe Montana is there to have something exactly. to say about that as well. Or Steve yeah. Young, or you know, kind of depending on how it went back in the 80s, probably Montana more in 87. I think Young was more 88, that he ended up playing yes. more often. Um, yeah, I, that that's a fair point as well. It's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out because if this keeps up, at this current rate, there will certainly be some momentum in the national conversation for Jefferson to be considered as a candidate, I think.
2: Take a playcation to Mystic Lake with 24 seven gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M, so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day.
0: Another thing on that point, you tweeted uh, Thursday that Jefferson had heard from Odell Beckham Jr. after his amazing catch on Sunday, which only leads to speculation that OBJ is going to sign here uh, anytime soon, right?
1: No, that's not what's happening. Okay, I, at good. least I didn't uh, think that, that so. wasn't the conversation.
0: Yeah, I didn't um, think so.
1: No, it was uh, just a hey, congratulations on the catch. Because yeah. that was the 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 obvious comparison. It's the yes. famous catch Beckham made, uh, I think, on Sunday Night Football, back in, I want to say 2014, 2015, something like that. Um, the, the famous one-hander where he's reaching behind him and, and halting him for a touchdown. Jefferson's had that look, and those two are – are friendly. I mean, they they know each other from LSU circles and have, have been in touch over the years as part of that fraternity. Uh, I don't think the conversation was about hey, come sign here. Right. I'm sure that if he wanted to come here, the Vikings would entertain it. Obviously, Kevin O'Connell, Wes Phillips, you know, some of the other coaches on that coaching staff know him from playing, having him with the Rams last year, and you Neil's know, Jefferson as well. Uh, no, this I think was mostly a congratulatory. Hey, saw your catch, that was pretty sweet. Congrats kind
0: of thing wish we could have started some rumors here but i guess we won't um
1: yeah vikings twitter kind of when i tweeted about him hearing from beckham uh they kind of a lot of the mentions were about that possibility so
0: a couple final thoughts leading into dallas before i let you go um injuries you know creeping up a little bit on this team still that doesn't seem like you know dalvin tomlinson is necessarily yeah kind of hit or miss there. Obviously, no Cameron Dantzler. Um You had Evans and uh, Derrissaw and go out with concussions. I know in saw that was mitigated a little bit. Blake Brandle played very well, at least according to the eye test and the and the, the PFF grades, but you know that's your starting left tackle. You don't want to be messing around there, so as you think about injuries playing a role here against Dallas, what do you think?
1: Yeah, saw is the big one. I mean, th- this is a really good pass rush that the Cowboys are going to throw at them with. Micah Parsons to Marcus Lawrence, and they've got – Dante Fowler who was a former first-round pick. Anthony Barr is in that mix. Right, blitzing he's, he's linebacker, old uh, friend. They, I mean, they have a lot of guys. There are a few others in that mix. I think Sam Williams as well. I mean, they have a lot of people they will throw at you, and it'll be a lot of five-man fronts in, in certain situations. And they'll they'll have a number of guys that they can keep fresh and and just bring pressure from a number of different people. So. Uh, that is going to be a big challenge if you don't have Christian Dara who has been among the best left tackles in the league this year. I mean, yes. Blake Brantle I thought played really well towards the end of the game on Sunday, but that Bills pass rush is one that is stronger up the middle than you know they don't have the ends that just kind of terrify you in the way that that the, um, the Cowboys might. It certainly have, they have Von Miller, but they're not going to have those guys on each side like the Cowboys sure. probably will. So. That is the big question for this week, I think. Do they get Derrissaw out of the concussion protocol, and is he ready to go? Because if they have him, he's been awfully good, and they'd certainly like to have him for this one. There's no question about it. That's, to me, the big question for this one, just do they have him, and is Blake Brandle up for a full game of kind of holding up, protecting Kirk blind blindside, if not?
0: Well, and Evans, too. I mean, if they don't have him, they don't have Dantzler. I mean, it, it, it gets thin. This is what we have talked it about does. all year, yep. where yep. It, it does get thin depth-wise just because of the way they're constructed, the way they have been constructed the last few years, and it, it will it's going to get tested. It just naturally has to as the year goes on.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you, you look at is it Andrew Booth? Is it Duke Shelley coming in who made a, a game-setting really play, play. Yeah. on Sunday? But are you counting on those guys for 65 snaps? That's a little bit of a different story. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot to keep an eye on in the last couple of injury reports of the week as they go into Sunday. I I think it's certainly a winnable game, but you'd feel better about it if you kind of have the health advantage that they've had for a lot of the year, because most weeks they have been the healthier team. And I, I think that, you know, they're not in a bad spot, but, you know, this is the part of the season where you're going to see some things happen. And they're working through a few of those things right now.
0: Well, we'll see how it all plays out on Sunday. Ben, appreciate the time as always. We'll catch up again soon. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks. You know, one say one thing I will say about the Vikings' depth so far this year is I've been pretty impressed. Uh, I was skeptical coming in as to how they could overcome any kind of you know medium-term injuries, but they've won without Dalvin Tomlinson. They won without Cameron Dancer. They won without Cameron Dantzler's replacement. Not him going out of that game, not Caleb Evans. They won when Christian Derrissaw went out and Blake Brandle had to come in. They've overcome not a lot of injuries, but some significant ones at stretches already this year. So maybe the depth is better than it has been or better than we thought it was going to be. And they do have some quality pieces, even if we haven't seen them play yet. So we're going to see that play out on Sunday even a little bit more. But some encouraging things with what we've seen so far in that regard. Let's talk soccer for a while today on Daily Delivery. Something my good friend, John Marthaler, accuses me of not talking about enough on this show. So John is going to put his money where his mouth is. I don't think that's the right expression. I also don't think the king has no pants is the right expression. (laughs) Um, No, that's the correct expression. That that is the correct expression. Okay. Um, John is here to... Get us ready for the World Cup. World Cup starts this weekend. US plays its first match 1 p.m. Monday against Wales, um against England next Friday and then the group finishes up a week from Tuesday against Iran. Um an interesting slate, um but the biggest I mean the biggest story is that they are back in the World Cup after not being there in 2018, but um a team John that just looking at it and we'll get into the World Cup as a whole, but I'm interested in the U S squad. And I think a lot of our listeners are too, in terms of where this team is going into the world cup strengths, weaknesses. I mean, there's always grumbling. There's always elation throughout an entire world cup cycle. But as you think about this team right now, as they go into Qatar, um, what stands out the most to you?
2: The thing that stands out uh, with this squad more than anything, I think is their youth and just how young the team is. It's it, not only are most of the guys 23-24, but they got the same number of guys who can't legally buy a beer in the United States that are under 21 as they do guys who are 30 and over. And, you know, usually you're going to see a squad with a lot of guys who are 30 and over, but they really, part of the reason they failed to qualify in 2018 is they just did not have a good generation of guys. And they really have moved on from, from that group as much as they possibly could and gone to this new sort of young, exciting, up-and-coming traditionally europe-based kind of squad and it's it's different than it's different than the u.s teams of old the u.s teams of old used to be a lot of guys who maybe were veterans maybe american based and maybe were a little shorter on talent than the teams they were playing against but you knew they were going to work hard and they were going to run hard and they were just going to try to do the old brian mcbride and just try to sort of tackle the ball into the goal just it'll hit you (laughs) hit you in the shoulder hit you in the chest off your knee something like that just something like that is going to happen now they've got a lot of guys who are more exciting more skilled but also much much younger so this is this is the first big test for
0: a lot of these guys who is the striker and who is the center back (laughs) <laughs> like they know that there's
2: still three days <laughs> until the World to, Cup starts.
0: Seems to be the big question and maybe a problem in terms of the person, aside from the keeper, who is most directly responsible for keeping the ball out of the goal and putting the ball in the goal. They don't have answers at those two positions, uh, yeah. which should, which would be great. It seems like a team that a Minnesota fan should get behind because they have a lot of big questions at uh, at obvious positions, but otherwise seem like they might have some things going for them.
2: Yeah, up front, they I suppose the guy who's most likely to start against Wales is Jesus Ferreira. He started a bunch of the qualifying guys. He's one of their ex- exceptionally young guys. He's just 21. He plays for FC Dallas. Um, but they've got their other options are sort of Josh Sargent, who plays in the English second division. He was once the great, the great hope at the number nine position for the United States and had went over to Germany and had an absolutely terrible time there. Now he's. He's moved on. He's he's gone to gone to Norwich, and they're down in the second division. But at least he's playing, and at least he's scoring. So they they've they've got those two. They've got you. You wonder if there's been a lot of rumors that Tim Weah, who played wing for most of the qualifying, there's been a lot of rumors that maybe they'll be looking to start him up front. I it's a little hard to it's a little hard to see what their best option is probably to start with. It's Ferreira, but it could be, it could be any of a number of guys because they just have not found that guy who's going to, that guy's going to be reliable up at the number nine position. So they they're, they're hopeful. I don't, they, they've got the third striker on the roster is Haji, right? I, he has not played a lot for the USA and I think he's more of a, he's less of a possible solution and more of a, if everything else goes wrong, here's the third guy we brought. I wish they would have brought Brandon Vasquez who plays for FC Cincinnati. I, over the past year, I've really been convinced by the people who thought he was the best solution, but he wasn't part of the setup all through qualifying. And they apparently decided not to try him just for the world cup, but I was hopeful. Um, It's not happening. And so I plan to be one of those incredibly annoying people that every time they don't score a goal
0: in some way, or shape or form. I'm like, well, Brandon Naskins would have scored that. <laughs> we love to second guess, but it, it does seem like, you know, the World Cup's probably not the time to be doing a whole lot of experimenting. Those are the, hopefully the kinds of things you work out over the months and years of preparation. But that it is, it's just, it's intriguing. They have a lot of possibilities. Like you said, a lot of young players on the roster. So they're kind of in this space where it feels like there's anticipation for what they might accomplish in this cycle just because the group feels like they at least have a decent chance of getting through as good as England presumes to be. You could see the U S being, you know, easily in that, uh, in that second, in that second qualifying spot, getting through that group. And, you know, frankly, if they get through this group, not looking too far ahead, um, you know, the group they would face in the round of 16, nobody coming out of that necessarily scares you that much. So there's this anticipation for a possibility for a good showing, but it also feels like it's also like, okay whatever happens this year is kind of a build up to 2026, which again, you're looking four years into the future, but it does, it does have some import in terms of what you're going to see right now. Right. And it certainly feels like just looking at the age of the squad, you look and say, well,
2: this team has got to be better in 2026 than they are now. So it's more, it feels in some ways like it's been a seven year buildup to 2026 that started when they appointed Greg bird, Berhalter as the coach. But at the same time, if they have a terrible tournament like they did in 1998 or something like that, then where do you go from there? They, it, if if there needs to be a reckoning, are they going to start over or what are you going to do if these young guys are are not are, are are damaged beyond repair, so to speak? Where it's like, well, they just can't do it. Then what do we what do they do now?
0: I don't think we're going to know that after three games in the World Cup, though, are we? I mean, I don't think that would yep. be. But that, I mean,
2: that's the way these things go. It's not, it's not like we can look around and say, well, uh, you know, the nation's league final last year, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. Right. It was fun, but beating Mexico is not the, not the high bar to climb over right now that it once was.
0: So who are the three most important players for the U S before we get to some other, um, other teams in this that are participating in this, in this tournament? Well, it, it's a little bit of a hard question to answer because, there there's the three
2: guys who are maybe most exciting and the three guys who are maybe the highest profile. And that would be your guys like Christian Pulisic and right. Giovanni Reina and stuff like that. But the guys who might be the most important are guys like Matt Turner, who's I I would say gotta be the starter for the world cup. He's he's in goal. Um, he played several of the qualifiers, but not all the qualifiers he got. He was, I think he either did or didn't. It was never said conclusively whether he got frostbite in when he played in St. Paul for the qualifier against Honduras, but he was in that for that one. But Zach Steffen, who played a lot of them, isn't even on the, isn't even on the squad. He, he has had a rotten a couple of years and has just dropped out of, dropped out of the reckoning right now. So if Matt Turner plays well or doesn't play well, that might affect their chances more than anything. Another guy who's sort of in that boat, I think, is Tyler Adams, the defensive midfielder, just because if he isn't playing well, they don't have a guy that they can just swap in and be like, all right, so Adams isn't going well. We're gonna we're gonna slam in Luca D- Delatore or something like that. It just doesn't. They don't do the same things, and they don't do the same things in the United States system. And the third guy, I think that probably is a guy to watch, and is a guy of how a bellwether for the team a little bit is probably Tim Ream, the center back. You you mentioned, you mentioned Mm the center back problems. They really wanted to have Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson as their center back pairing going into this world cup. And then Miles Robinson ripped his Achilles. I think it was, Yes,
0: I believe that's correct.
2: And is not part of the squad. And so they've been sort of searching around for who is going to be that center back partner. And they've gone with Tim Ream who he plays in the premier league for Fulham. And that's been true for, he, he's the oldest guy on the squad I think it it seems like they've been trying Tim Ream and then trying somebody else in place of Tim Ream for about three decades now where <laughs> uh, just I don't know if Tim Ream gives his team what you want so they they would try somebody else John Brooks came in game out you know Tim Ream is he, he's been around forever and now coming into the World Cup all of a sudden they gotta they gotta go back to the, that particular well so if he if he doesn't play well it could be it could be a long World Cup because the, the guys that they're going to put in behind Ream at center back, you're, you're not any more excited about any of those guys than you are. Or if, you know, if, God forbid, Walker Zimmerman gets hurt, then who knows what they're going to
0: do. A long World Cup being a short World Cup, I would imagine. Um, who final thought on the world cup then i want to ask you one mls thing before we go um sure. just big picture who 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 are we considering the favorites this year who do you who do you like to win at all since you are generally good at picking these things i think we should i think we should talk about it the 2014
2: yeah. and 2018 yes the star tribune had me make picks and i was right yes. both times you were right both
0: times which is hard to do that is not easy to do that is not easy that's to right. do
2: that's right take that people i i took some obvious favorites but i stuck with them Yes. stuck with them and the three yeah. obvious favorites this time around are Brazil and Argentina and France yeah. are I would say I don't know what the betting odds look like but they they got to be far and away the three favorites um I it, it's a little hard to pick one of those I I think it would be fascinating to take let's say Italy which didn't qualify again from the World Cup take their national team and put them in a tournament with. Brazil's second team made up of 26 guys that didn't make this roster same for Argentina and France. I would absolutely watch that cuz that would be a great tournament. You could put all three of those second teams I think would be favored to win their groups and maybe make the quarterfinals at this World wow. Cup. That's how that's how that's how stacked and those three can rosters. Can they loan
0: the US a striker? Can we do some dual well, citizenship at this stage? We
2: We we've got a fair amount. If you look down the US roster, there are a fair number of guys where they, they they don't have the traditional american soccer background let's sure. let's put it that way so maybe we could maybe we could do that maybe we could get a it's little aggressive late. nationalization pro- program for <laughs> those three countries you, it's not too late it's not too late for us to do that
0: okay but so which one of those three is going to win it all i think
2: brazil is going to win it all i think brazil is they're coming off 20 years where they won the world cup so often and it seemed like for about the last couple of decades, they just sort of said, you know what? We don't need to have a structure or try to play as a team or really do anything but just run around and play awesome to watch soccer. Very entertaining, but it hasn't been it hasn't been successful now that international teams are a little more organized than they used to be. But they 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 finally seem to have they finally seem to have a little bit of organization together. They got the team set up well enough to Accentuate Neymar's strengths, and I think when 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 the team is set up to help him, he's probably still the best player in the world. So I I romantically I wish Messi would finally get the world cup title. He's he, he's been faded to chase for yes the his, the entirety of his career, but so my hope is that. <laughs> romantically my heart would hope that Argentina would beat Brazil in the semifinals and then go on to beat France. But I think it's going to be Brazil. That's my pick.
0: There you go. Well, appreciate all of that. One quick MLS item. Um, we saw, it was a few months ago that we learned that all of major league soccer games are going to be on Apple TV next season. We learned pricing this week. You brought that to my attention. I believe that is free for MLS season ticket holders if you are already an Apple TV subscriber, $99.99 if you are not a subscriber but just want the soccer package. Sounds like a pretty good deal for access to every single game, but as you and I were talking about before we started recording, if you're just a fan of one team, is that still a good deal, especially if you're used to getting everything as part of your local package anyway? I don't know. I'll be interested to see how that plays out. What do you think of, of that as you saw it? Well, I think I think it's
2: interesting and it'll
0: be interesting to see just how many people get
2: get this particular package. I think you look at just the local scene, if NBA, if the NBA or MLB sold a package like that, I think you'd see a lot of people that say, oh, I can get the Twins and the rest of MLB or, oh, I can get the Timberwolves and the rest of the NBA or, you know, God forbid the football ever goes off broadcast television and. You have to do the same thing for the Vikings, but then everybody in the state would buy NFL Plus or whatever you call it. So I think it'll be interesting to see from a soccer perspective how many people, and especially people, you know, you're you are the clearinghouse, the local clearinghouse for people the complaining casuals. about Valley Sports North and yes, come people compl- people who are cord cutters and are complaining about right. cable. This is this is an opportunity for people like that who have been looking for something that's going to include the local teams and national teams, but maybe are not, maybe have not traditionally been huge soccer fans. We'll see how many of those people and how many people like that, you know, maybe you who are soccer fans, but not soccer sickos, like people like me are going, to be, <laughs> are, are going to subscribe to this. I, I, It's interesting to see. It's interesting to see that MLS is sort of taking that step as the first the first leave, it's going to sort of put itself in the silo. And I say that, but there's going to be free games. They, they're still working on deals with ESPN and Univision and Fox and all these other places that have broadcast games before. So I would be surprised if... I, I would be very surprised if the only place you could watch MLS next season was on Apple TV.
0: I just really look forward to the day where you can watch sports on 42 different streaming platforms that you all have to pay for. Yeah,
2: I'd I like to pay... The thing that I like about the cord cutting is how instead of playing one pay one place hundred and fifty dollars, I pay four hundred different
0: places five dollars every month. That's right, nice. It I is. like it's it a lot. Really works out. The math does work out in your favor yep. when you do it that often. Um, We'll see if the math works out in the U.S. favor as well. Like we said, they play Monday. I don't think Royce and I will be talking about that game a whole lot as we set it up on Monday, so I'm glad that John Marthaler was able to join me on today's show. I'm interested. This is going to be an interesting World Cup, and at least um, they are participating this year, no matter how it turns out, right? (laughs) Well, I mean, as as poorly as
2: some of the World Cups went in the years before, 2018 was the worst because it's like... It's like your team playing in the Super Bowl three times in eight days or whatever, except you miss out on that. And 2018 World Cup was pretty depressing without the
0: U.S. there. So I'm excited. Been didn't waiting even get, for this for a long time. Didn't even get their orange slices that year. It's just terrible. All right, John, appreciate you. it. How dare you. <laughs> Thanks, John. I just had to nudge John with the orange slices, didn't I? Jeez, why did I do that? I'm such a such a mean guy. John loves soccer so much. I like soccer, too, and I'm excited for this World Cup. These guys don't get orange slices. I'm sure they get something much different after a match. That is just some uh, some, soccer, some soccer revisionist history is all that is. Speaking of which, uh, the show's history for the week. Appreciate you listening along with me all week. Should be back at it Monday with Royce talking about the Vikings game, Gophers against Iowa on Saturday. Lots of good stuff this weekend. Appreciate you listening all week. Back at it again on Monday.